Welcome, everybody, to our dinner and dialogue State Senator Paul Lavoda, the 11th Senatorial District. 11th Senatorial District is the city of Independence, and it runs all the way to the east, to the county line. It runs all the way to the west, to um, roughly Van Brunt in Kansas City. The southern region includes parts of Lee Summit, parts of Raytown, and the sports complex where the World Series was held this year. I'm the only senator that had a World Series in their district this year. Um, I used to, I used to claim the Chiefs and not the Royals, but now I've I've gone the other way around. Uh, before we get into it, I wanted to introduce some folks uh, that are always here to help out. Uh, we do a weekly podcast. Um, trying to keep you up to date, and we do this monthly town hall meeting. Uh, Jordan Hunt is my uh, legislative assistant, and she is down there right now putting up the food. But if you see her again, I want to make sure I thank her for thank her, her for her hard work, and I really appreciate it. Uh, my friend Courtney Cole is here who helps me with uh, uh, some all kinds of, of things and has worked for the Democratic Party, so thanks for being here. Um, last time you weren't here, and it wasn't as didn't go as smoothly, so I'm glad you're here. And and my friend Chris Whiting's here. Chris, come up, come up to the microphone. How are you? I'm well, thank you. We didn't do a podcast last week. We didn't. No, I had another meeting. Yeah, I did too, and so did Courtney. So um, glad you're here. You're the mayor pro temp of Independence. I am. And uh, when the mayor's not here, you're the mayor. Yeah. So for a little while tonight. I was the mayor. Right, until, until a little bit. She showed up. Right. Yes. But we are, we are very, very happy at our town hall meeting that our mayor, Eileen Ware, is here tonight. Absolutely. And uh, this here for Eileen Ware. Thank you. And I, and I, I will tell you a story that um, anyone who's lived in Independence for a while knows of the Weir family, but most of all, they know Eileen. And when we went through a very uh, big initiative to bring this school and other schools into the Independent School District, community leaders like Eileen Ware stepped up and made it happen. So part of the great school that we have here is because of Eileen Ware. Then she calls me and says, hey, I'd like to meet with you. Um, I'm thinking about running for city council. And I thought, she should know better than that. <laughs> but, I, but as we talked, um, so impressed with her ideas, her vision, her enthusiasm, and then um, learned very quickly and then ran for mayor. And uh, the, official, the official word is that she was elected in – Mayor Weir was elected in April 2014 for a four-year term. She was, she was the, she's the 50th mayor of the city of Independence and the second female mayor. And uh, she served in the council. So, welcome, Mayor. Thank you. Glad very you're much. here. Very happy to be here. Glad you're here. Very happy to be here. So, you've had a big week with the state of the city. Yes, we had the state of the city address yesterday, which the Independence Chamber of Commerce always hosts the mayor to present that. So, that was yeah, a very good crowd for that, and I think um, very well received. What What was your basic message? Really, my basic message is economic development. There's so many things that you can talk about when you give a State of the City address. I really didn't want to spend my time looking backwards and saying, here's all the things that we've accomplished, although we've accomplished great things. But sometimes um, 
as I've gone to other mayors, state of the city addresses in this city and other cities, it's sort of a look back, and I really wanted to take a look forward and set some, let the community know some goals that we have for the city and let people involve, be involved with helping us to achieve those goals and to buy into the vision that me and the city council has have developed. So well, it's really about... Um, it really boils down to economic development, and that encompasses, of course, many, many things. I, I think it's telling that our other, just to welcome our, our at-large council person, um, Karen DeLucci is here. Our new council, my new councilman, yes. uh, Tom Van Camp <laughs> is here from the 4th District. I think it's pretty telling that they're here to, uh, to uh, maybe they're going to ask the tough questions maybe. of the mayor. Could I don't be. know. Could be. But, and, and, of course, your, your mayor pro tem yes. is here. So yeah. it's telling that that you're bringing everyone together. What do you think is the biggest challenge that we as a community have? Um, it, it really continues to be, I think, getting people to look our direction in this state um, and in the greater Kansas City community. It's tough being a large city that's right next door to another very large mm-hmm. city, the largest, you know, second largest city in the state of Missouri. Um, actually, we, actually... Kansas City is the largest city. It's, it's the largest. I St. Never Louis know. is the second. I, I never know. And Springfield, Independence. <laughs> yes, and we're yes. number four. Sorry so to have to correct be, being we're number four. Um, a big city, a city of our size next to really what is obviously the town mm-hmm. is um, can be challenging because we can tend to be overlooked. And I think that we've missed out on opportunities. And... I want to make sure that when there are regional discussions happening, that independence is in those conversations. And that's a challenge. How have you, how have you moved ahead on that? Uh, a number of different ways. Um, with the council's support, we have joined, the city has joined the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. which we've never been a member of previously. And that's been very, very helpful. That puts us um, in the room with business leaders from across the metropolitan area, people that we do business with. We do business with Burns and McDonald. Right. We do business with these cons- with construction companies, with engineering firms, and these are people that we do business with. But we haven't really had an opportunity to network with them on in at that level so i think that that's been very very i think that's i think that was a a really good move there's a lot of us who live in independence and go someplace else and work yeah so those uh employers should be very interested in how independence is too so being part of that group i think is it's a good group too they're it is a good they're not as um well, they're not as partisan as the Missouri Chamber, which no one yeah. is, by the way. Uh, but but they're they're a group. They they seem to be pretty civically minded well, of the greater area, and they are, and they are. That's where things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a venue where things happen. That's where the decision makers of our greater metropolitan community are, and um, that's. You know where the conversations happen at the coffees and the right. cocktail parties and and those kinds of mm-hmm. things and just being in that room with those people is I think has benefited us tremendously to let people know that Independence is a sophisticated city that we have a lot of great things going on here we've it's given me the opportunity to meet people invite them to come to Independence and. 
people say, you know what, this pretty, mm-hmm. this city's pretty nice. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's pretty you nice. You know, I, I, as I've grew up in independence, I we're only second generation. The mayor pro tem is fifth generation independence, fourth generation independence. But uh, as I grew up, I always felt like independence has this identity. We have so much rich, rich history mm-hmm. uh, with the trails and, and President Truman. But we sometimes forget that we're not a small town. We have, we're a very diverse community mm-hmm. and getting even more diverse. We have um, all ranges of, of income in our area. Do you find that at all, as, as you've been on the council and the mayor, that we sometimes forget the diversity and how large our community is and I, the challenges I, that we have with it? I think it? we do, and I think when you travel to other cities, which I have the opportunity to do pretty frequently as mayor, going to different conferences and things and visiting other cities around the country, we sort of don't think of ourselves as a city because we don't have that traditional like downtown with the skyscrapers. (laughs) The industry isn't really here. Mm -hmm. Those big corporate entities aren't really here that we're so heavily residential that we forget that we do have big industry. I have said frequently, and the council um, and I had an opportunity a while back to go tour the Space Center underground industrial Mm -hmm. park which is as big, nearly as big, as what Cerner is building at Bannister Mall. But it's underground, so we don't see it. So we think, oh, well, we don't have any industry. And Mm -hmm. we've told ourselves, and we've been allowed for people to tell us for a long time, oh, we're just kind of this sleepy little bedroom community. But we're not. Mm -hmm. Well, I I, I think that's an important, you know, how do you keep that small town community feeling? But remember that, you know, we're the fourth largest city in the state, and we have unique challenges that bring along with that. And I'm not from this area. I moved to the Kansas City area 22 years ago. But there is a warmth that exists in the Kansas City area that you really don't see right. in other parts of the country. Um, I, when I, As I said earlier, as I travel around and visit other cities, I really find that I like the Kansas City area more and more when you go other places. It's fun to see other cities. It's, there's really neat things happening all over the country, but it lacks that kind of warmth. And right. I think even in the city of Kansas City, even though it's a major metropolitan area, you still feel that mm-hmm. kind of comfort and, and warmth that mm-hmm. I think certainly Independence has as well. Well, let's see if there's any questions for the mayor. Will you help us out, Chris? I certainly will. Great. Thank you. You Just raise your hand. and Uh, This isn't a question, but it's just a comment. Today's uh, Kansas City paper had an excellent article in their Yale, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, (laughs) but uh, talking with our mayor, and uh, I appreciated that uh, because of a vision and a growth, and and it didn't have, which I think is helpful in some ways it didn't have this well look what they did in the past right and i'm different it was just showing about a vision that we do have which Mm -hmm. is very upbeat and i appreciate that very much thank you recommend that to everybody (laughs) thank you yeah (laughs) you know uh, what also is telling is uh last week the mayor and the mayor pro temp came down to jefferson city and and worked with uh met with some of the area legislators um Mayor Rimel did that, but 
this mayor is really reaching out to make sure that all those connections are in place, you know, that we're all working together. And I really do appreciate that. And yet, what other questions for the mayor? No other questions for the mayor? <laughs> this, this scares me a little bit because yeah. they're going to ask questions about the state. Right. All right. Thank you. Madam Mayor, uh, I hope that uh, I just would like to, to kind of challenge the, you and the, the council to take a look at a, an issue that I think is really uh, important uh, dealing with economic development. It's, uh, scattered throughout Independence, particularly here on the west side of town, the old part of town, we have storefront after storefront after storefront that's closed up and abandoned, not being used. And we have ownership of those buildings that not willing to invest any money or any, mm -hmm. put anything into it. It seems like to me that there ought to be some way that we can have some something to say about that. Uh, uh, I just know here locally, uh, these landlords, they, they don't want to put any money into their buildings. If I want to rent a storefront, they rent it to me as is, and I have to be responsible for anything and everything that occurs in the building, from code violations to roofs to heat to air conditioning, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, before I can even open my business. And a lot of times we don't even know uh, what those codes are until we begin to work on it, and then the city comes by and tells us that we need to do all these other things. There has to be some way that we can have something more to say as a city about uh, the condition of our, of our commercial building, some way to help them or to encourage them to, to make them more viable. Uh, we, we'll never be able to develop these areas unless we can have some control over that. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because this is one of the first things that you mentioned when you first were running for office mm -hmm. on how we're helping small businesses. Mm -hmm. You even gave me an idea um, legislatively, which I had a hearing on last week, to make our code enforcements um, and what the municipal judge can do, similar to what Kansas City has done, mm -hmm. with with success. Mm -hmm. So, where else? I mean, to, well, to it, Bill's it, point, it, what else can we do? You think it, it's, you know, it's a big challenge because of the way that our city has developed over the years, um, where, you know, historically, independence had been sort of little pockets of commercials right. and commercial districts and neighborhood like Fairmount and Englewood and Maywood and the Square. I live over on the southwest side of the city um, near 40 Highway. And, you know, since the day I moved to Independence, I thought, oh, my gosh, we've really got to do something with 40 Highway to revitalize that um, southern border of our city. And it's a big challenge for small businesses um, in, you know, anywhere in the country. Not, that's not at all unique to Independence. But one thing the senator um, pointed out is that we, we have been working as um, – having a higher penalty for code enforcement for commercial property owners. If you live in your home and you have a code violation or, and um, the city has to come out and correct it and you go to court, there's a fine. And for any of us, you know, a $500 fine would be pretty attention-getting. But for some of these large um, land property owners who may own a commercial building here and more, you know some in other areas of the metropolitan area, a $500 fine doesn't make much of an impact on them. They'll just pay the fine and not correct the problem, and they'll get fined again, and they'll just keep paying it. So the senator and I have been working on that to give our municipal court the ability to to have a higher level of fine that they are can impose they don't it's not to say that they have to but put a little bit more teeth into 
that aspect of it. And, and just just that's that's Senate Bill one uh, one hundred one. We had a hearing in the Jobs, Economic Development, uh, and Local Government Committee. That actually provision was actually passed last year as part of another bill that Governor uh, Nixon vetoed. So I feel confident we can get it through because of the co- that concept um, to allow bigger communities to have that more flexibility. It, they did this for Kansas City a few years ago, and it's, they found it very helpful. They testified in favor of this bill when they have nothing to do with it. They just yeah. wanted to come tell the committee that really helped. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does so. work. And I think some of the incentive programs that the city has put into place over the years – Commercial 353, residential 353 in Northwest Independence, and then they expanded that to commercial 353 as an incentive for property owners to invest in their properties. Um, A lot of it, I believe, falls back on the public realm and making sure that our infrastructure is in good shape, even if you have well-maintained buildings, which in certain areas of the city we don't. But even in areas of the city where we have well-maintained buildings, if you're, if the public infrastructure isn't modern and well-maintained, then it's really not going to look as good as it could. So it's just a continuing problem. What, how to make people behave the way we want them to, I don't know. <laughs> if I knew that, I'd uh, have, I, you know, I'd be a genius. Well, this is, I mean, it's particularly challenging, as you've explained it to me, that small businesses want to rent that retail space. But then the owner doesn't keep it up, yeah. and then that small business is on on the hook for any code violations or anything else. So it's a very frustrating, and um, hopefully we can keep thinking about those type of things. Um, it seems to me those are the smaller things that actually get small businesses going, as opposed to some um, big tax credit that brings right. thousands of jobs to here. If we can just foster that stuff, mm-hmm. yes. We lose, we lose a lot a lot of a lot of the residents are going into Kansas City to shop and so those are tax dollars right. are leaving our city uh, and I sure would like to see something good retail is you know just the reality of retail is it's struggling nationwide I mean the ability to buy a tube of toothpaste off of the internet and have it delivered to your front door the next morning is pretty enticing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I know that's another topic. (laughs) But um, it's just 80% of the retail growth last year was online, and that's expected to increase. So having those neighborhoods that can support neighborhood business is, is just an ongoing challenge. But I think we are not done with retail and independence. I think there's a sentiment sometimes that we did focus a lot on retail at a period of time in the last decade, and kind of we've done that. It's time to move on to something else. We're not done. We still need to add to what we have created. Right. In older areas, in older areas of town, when people just want to live there and then be able to go to the store or, right. or, or local shops. Yeah. What other questions? I have to mention, good to see you again. You came down with the retired teachers. I did. I did. And visited me. We want you to leave our pension alone. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Uh, but let's get down to independence. Yes. Uh, you brought up Inglewood area. Mm-hmm. So I'll get real specific. I'm really interested in that theater, mm-hmm. what is ever going to happen mm-hmm. there. 
And another area is the golf course off of Hardy. Rockwood. What's going to happen yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Can you give any you meant You asked that question, Jeff Sitting. I said, yeah. that's a good one for Maybe the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I will answer both of those questions. I will say um, Councilmember Van Camp is very interested in the Rockwood project as well. I, As you know, I was represented the 4th District prior to being mayor, and Rockwood um, became a topic when I was on the council in the 4th District because it went up for sale. Um, there, To my knowledge, and Councilman Van Camp may be able to um, talk to you in more detail um, afterwards, to my knowledge, there's no immediate plans for it. It is purchased by a local developer, investor, and it, he has not indicated to me that he has any plans right now to develop it. He's simply maintaining it. Um, and I think that he did something very um, needed for that area of town in just purchasing that property and making sure something bad didn't happen to it. It was very, very much appreciated. Yeah. And all the hours that they spend there clearing off the brush and the dilapidated fence – now, if they just do something with the geese. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You can, like, hit geese on your way driving down Hardy if you're not careful. Um, Englewood, um, I have been involved with Englewood for many, many years. Um, prior to being on the council, I worked with the business community over there to get the art district designation for them. And the theater was a big part of that discussion at that time and continues to be a part of the discussion. I agree with you. I feel like Englewood has done a remarkable job in investing in that area. The business owners there, and they've really created a a nice atmosphere. But as long as that theater is not operating, it's sort of, it, it can only go so far in my opinion. I think that's the the key to really revitalizing that area. The last, um, I heard there were some discussions with the owner of the theater that they would um, potentially be operating it maybe as a nonprofit organization. It's extremely difficult to make money. You can't make money on a single screen theater. I mean, there's just no way to turn a profit with that model. Um, And I even though I um, wish that the owner of the theater would keep it open, I have to understand that we can't expect people to operate a business at a loss, that every minute that the doors are open, they're losing money. Um, and it isn't a you know, really financially viable proposition. But there continues to be interest on it. I have to say I admire his commitment to keeping the theater, even though it's not operating and again, similar to Rockwood, preventing something bad from happening there, from, from selling it to somebody who's going to put it in some use that wouldn't be beneficial to the area. Uh, before I ask my question, I'd just like to say somebody told me that the Ameristar used to have a big badger, a big statue badger that scared all the geese away. So I'm, oh. I'm just, I'm just really? sharing that right. for you right there. Okay. And supposedly it works. Badger. So there you go. Yeah, a big yeah. statue of a badger. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they're so stupid they don't know it's alive. So there you yeah. go. Uh, Mayor, I want to tell you um, what Paul said about the, uh, the fact that Kansas City testified on our behalf uh, and they didn't have to is certainly because of your with, you know, saying we need to join hands on that. 
So I, I commend you for that. The, the other thing was interesting about what you said about the caves. I don't think, like you said, I don't think there's enough publicity about there. Yeah. And is there still space available in there? Uh, not much. Not um, much? There is some. Um, it, you know, there's some uh, some vacancy, some occupancy once in a while. But pretty much um, they're, they're, they do a pretty good job of keeping it full. And I should also mention Carefree, which is up on right. Um, right. 291, is another underground industrial park right. that is half and partially in independence and partially in sugar creek so we only care about you know making sure the independence park is full just kidding well the mayor of sugar creek isn't here this yeah, time so right well and the reason for that is because those are independence power and like customers right. and we want to make sure the revenue is well the only, uh, reason, coming. The only reason i was asking yeah. it was because i thought the kansas city star is always looking for good stories yeah. i think that would be a good story even if it's almost full and i think uh, I think the only council member here who was on that tour was council member DeLucy. She, she and I were on that tour together and I, I had been up to the caves on a few occasions to buy sheet music. That's where you buy sheet music for your kids when they play the piano, but, um, and the violin, but it was really impressive. And I wish that we had had more time that day to spend there and we'll have to get another tour arranged because it's really quite an impressive operation. Really remarkable. Right right there. Right oh, oh. Uh, right there. You took it. I grabbed it. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> I grabbed it. Um I I know there's a lot of work to be done out on the west side of town, obviously. Uh that's the uh area of town that I work in, but um being a member of the Fort Osage Board of Education, mm -hmm. I'm interested about the east side of town. Mm -hmm. And we built this brand new, spent millions of dollars building this road all the way out to twenty four highway, Little mm -hmm. Blue Parkway. What are the plans for it? Uh, I know my parents have, they were shocked that it even went in in their lifetime. They didn't think it was ever going to happen. And I'm wondering if I need to wait my lifetime for anything to happen with it. You know, uh, just the, my, when my father uh, was on the city council, he ran, I think, in 1974. One of the things that he said he wanted to try to get done was that little blue <laughs> expressway. That's how long we've been working on this. So now it's there. Yeah. What are we doing? You know, it actually, is it actually done now that you're mayor? I mean, is that how long? No, it's taken? I didn't. I didn't get to cut the ribbon. I was on trying it. to. Give I you know some you gave there. me. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, yeah, it took forty years. Yeah. To complete it, uh, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, and so much dedication, and a, a real commitment to that vision. And I would say. Our friend Judge Jack Gant is one of the right. people who really um, was persistent for all of those 40 years. Right. Jack Gant was, just, he was the state senator back in that time and, and got the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, so it's ready for development. We are um, courting people. We are bringing people out to look at that. Of course, um, Newtown Harmony, which is uh, mixed-use housing, development they have completed the purchase of land out there in the valley and should be we should see construction on that starting soon and that will bring um you know residents their first phase of it will be all houses um get some residential in there and then part of that plan is to develop a retail and i believe a um, plans for a new school out there as well, Blue Springs School District. But they need a certain, I think they said they need 150 rooftops built before they'll build a school there. Um, so that bringing some density to the area. What we're really looking at out in that area is industrial development. 
Um, that's a, a market that we're not active enough in. I spoke about that at the State of the City address yesterday, and uh, it was mentioned in the article in the star today is we really need to get into the game on industrial development. It's a very active sector in the Kansas City market, and we're just not at the table to compete for that. Probably manufacturing rather than distribution because of the distance it is from I-70 that we don't want really, I mean, frankly, we don't necessarily want a bunch of trucks running up and down our beautiful new road that we took 40 years to build. <laughs> we, but, um, and it's too far from them, from the main interstate, really, to make that an ideal location, not that it couldn't be that. Mm-hmm. Um, distribution doesn't tend to bring a lot of jobs. It brings a lot of truck traffic, but it doesn't bring a whole lot of jobs. So those are the things that we're looking at. Um, the city's ready to run utilities there. That's all planned for, um, budgeted for in our utility budgets. Um, so, you know, we're just waiting for, we're not waiting, we're going out and talking to developers and making it known that we have this land available for that type of use. Yeah, my friend there, yes. Hello, Mayor and Senator. Um, I, uh, went to uh, to hear the mayor speak at the Ministerial Alliance. And her talk, topic there was very important to me, what I'm close to. Um, for residents that live here, we talk about first generations, but the first generations are going to have second and third generations, and they're going to be the people that are going to work for us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are either, uh, whether we you know want to say it or not, they may have... Um, may not have the education like they need their GED. We have many young people that have children that don't have their GED. We have many fathers that are felons at 17 and 18, Mm -hmm. and now they're 30 and 40, and they don't know what to do. And I would like to see possibly an independence. It's it's always going to be here, and these are people in our families. And I'm not even meant, my family, actually, it's not, <laughs> I'm here to say. But I work at the schools Benton and Glendale and different schools. I would love to see more businesses have mentoring programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to, like that would have to be part of the situation. When you come in independence, you have to give back to people that are displaced or aren't quite on their feet yet. I think that's important. These are the people that are going to work for me. I'm 54. And they're going to be paying my taxes, and I want them to pay them. Uh, Everyone can't go to uh, college. Some people will get their high school diploma and GED and work in these wonderful businesses that we're going to have here. And I want to always keep them in mind because they are here, uh, young people that don't want to necessarily go to college. Mm -hmm. They want to go straight to a job, and they're in every high school. And so I would like I to you, talk to I'm that. I'm chomping at the bit. To yeah, go ahead. No, oh. please. From the <laughs> um, city point of view. Well, I think you've raised two important points. I'll talk about the high school students. And I th- the program that the independent school district is in the process of, of implementing through the Ford Next Generation does exactly what you're talking about. It puts kids on a pathway. They must choose a pathway, whether and it's college or career readiness. And so not every kid is geared towards college. Not every kid wants to go to college. College is so different than what it was when I was in college. And um, the college experience is very different. So that, 
I think is going to help address for high school students. And it does um, ask for business people in the community to open up their business for internships for the students, but also externships for the teachers and the faculty, where you can have the teachers come into your business for a couple weeks during the summertime and learn about the types of things that they need to be teaching these kids to get them into these industries in right here in Independence. And that's what we want. We want opportunity for our kids to, to stay here. We don't want to lose them to other communities. The question of ad- older adults who are um, having trouble finding employment is a tougher challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I We don't, to my knowledge, I mean, certainly the city, the school district doesn't have a you know, a a program to address that. But it's it's very important, especially people who may have lost a job or or been downsized in their career during the recession and now really are unemployed or underemployed. So I think that's more of a state issue, don't you? I I do. (laughs) I do. And I was was very happy that you mentioned the school district in your state of the city. And and our friend Patrick Layden is the principal here, and I should have recognized you mm-hmm. earlier, but he's here to allow us to do this. I think the school district has shown a lot of dedication. But the number one economic development tool is education. And we, we have not done a good job at the state level to understand that. If we would educate people, businesses would come because it would be qualified workers. That's your point. Yes. That's your point. And I think many times we forget that focus. We uh, believe, like I said before, a tax credit or um, something like that is going to bring it. But you talk to businesses everywhere. They want good workers. And the way they get good workers is that we invest in the community and we invest in um, our education. At the state level, we're not doing that. We're 49th in our contribution to local districts. We're not funding our foundation formula. And unfortunately, we're down a tax policy path that is – similar to what Kansas is doing. And I think I warned you when you're in Jeff City, I was going to talk about tax policy, didn't I? Warned you. I'm going to go ahead and do this, Mayor. <laughs> when, we, when, we, when we look at the needs that we, what we have in education, we look at the needs we have in transportation. We have tremendous needs, um, which, which is really going to negatively impact um, the city and the cooperation with MoDOT. It's because we've done tax policy – uh, like Senate Bill 509 that was passed last year and overridden that will reduce our revenues by about $700 million a year. So what happens is we can't pay for schools, roads, services to those, and then that hurts our business. And we have to change our um, approach. And I'm preaching this. This is one of my New Year's resolutions to keep telling people is that what we usually do in our state is, well, I care about education. I'm listening to that part of it. Well, I care about roads. I'm listening to that part of it. When there's a conversation about tax policy, perk up your ears because that's the time when we figure out how to pay for the priorities that we have, how to pay for um, first responders and uh, mental health issues. I'm kind of looking around at the people around here and some of those things that are important. So um, that's what I'm trying to say more and more. And it, it flows down to you, doesn't it? I mean, 
when the state doesn't come through. Uh, absolutely. We can't just stop doing things. Mm-hmm. If the state, if the federal dollars don't come down, if the state dollars don't come down to our level, the cities are left trying to make up that difference. And it's, and we simply can't. Uh, we And we, you just cannot, I've said as mayor that we can't continue to manage our city budget by just making cuts. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to find revenue sources. We have to have good policies, good tax policies at the state, good federal policies that benefit cities because um, it's mayors and city council people and school districts, school districts. that are principals left, have to figure out how to just right their left classroom. trying to figure out how they're going to continue to deliver the same services with fewer resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to uh, I want to ask you. Three important questions right now. Okay. The questions. Are you ready? Dialogue proudly presents three revealing questions. Who is the politician, um, dead or alive, that you most admire? Paul Lavoda. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Besides Paul, oh, oh, okay. Clearly, that's the right answer. Um, Didn't Senator Curl say the same thing? I think. Um, I, I did she? Oh, yeah. I thought I was being so clever. Um, I know this is going to sound very cliche because we live in Independence, but and it's probably because we get to know Harry Truman so well mm-hmm. by living here, not only as a president but as a person and as. Um, a senator and as a county judge and all of those things. But when when you really look at um, President Truman, just looking at his presidency, the number of things that he was able to accomplish is really, really remarkable. Mm-hmm. When you go to the Truman Library and if you have, ever have the opportunity, go behind the scenes and down into the archives and see his papers and see the decisions that he made and some very the most difficult and debated decisions of the 20th century and he just had such a conviction Mm -hmm. about what he did and what he thought was right and I think that that continues to be so admirable he was certainly um, in many ways very Mm underappreciated at his in his time but I think you know every president probably since him Democrat or Republican has used Harry Truman as somebody that they admire and um, look up to, and he just had such courage, mm-hmm. and I really admire that. When, when when the White House called him, he was at the Capitol, and he went over, and they found out that President Roosevelt had died. He said the weight of the world was on him, and I think about that all the time because Jefferson City can get tough sometimes. I'm sure City Hall does. Yes. No. Not near no. <laughs> as what some of these leaders from our same place we live yeah. have had to face. So yeah. takes the load off a little bit, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, second question. If you could do one public policy thing, just a magic wand, and make it happen like that, what would it be? Oh, gosh. One public policy thing. Um, that's tough. There's so many. Um, I think people... certainly struggle with health care. I mean, health care is a big issue. And if we could alleviate, it's tough. It's a choice between probably health care and education. Because if we could alleviate for people that 
worry and that burden and that expense of just making sure that they're safe and their families mm-hmm. are safe, that would solve so many problems. It would solve enormous problems for us in our city, in our state, in our in our country, just um, providing health care to you know the people who work for us. I mean that for every business, health care is a huge expense and a huge concern in their budgets. And you know we've seen terrible things happening in corporate America because people just you know can't or don't choose to you know cut the nut of mm-hmm. paying for health care for their employees. So I think that that. Um, no matter who you are, that's a, con- a huge concern for everybody living in this country, and it shouldn't be. We live in um, – we don't suffer, knock on wood, horrible uh, health crises very often. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, we're – you know, should be the healthiest country in the world, and we should be providing for people. So two of the three questions you and I – answer exactly a lot. Okay. I'm scared of that. No. <laughs> okay. Okay, the last one. When you're done with your public service, how do you want to be remembered? Um, I, I think I want to be remembered as somebody who was courageous, um, somebody who was willing to make some tough decisions and just try things. I, I learned that from – your predecessor, Senator Callahan, when we were working together with so many people in this community on the school district mm-hmm. boundary change, is say, having the courage to say, what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. If it doesn't work, then we're not going to be worse off, but we've got to try. And um, as you know, um, anybody in elected office knows when you get elected, it's sort of like a death sentence it's like you got four years to live (laughs) and so you you sort of have to take that approach of we're not going to wait for things to come our way in this city we're going to identify what our needs are and we're going to go after them and we're going to try things and we're not going to be successful at all of them but that we're going to um put that we're going to try to do positive things for this community thank you let's hear for for answering those three (laughs) questions Well, what I want to do is uh, tell you what's going on in Jeff City, and then can you stay around and answer sure. there's more questions? Yep. Just one question. Yes. How would have you answered your third question? Let me get to that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, okay. I'll get to that. But let me, let me tell you what's going on in Jeff City. We'll make sure that we're, we're balancing this out. Um, what, we've, what we worked on in the last uh, month is mo- most of the focus that we've had in the Senate were two things. First, ethics reform. There was a bill, Senate Bill 11, that came to the floor that um, would reduce the, the amounts that lobbying, lobbyists can give for gifts. Also, it would say that you cannot be uh, a lobbyist for two years after that you're an elected official. Now, I believe that we have a severe ethics problem in not really even only our state, but certainly our country, but the state capital we have what I would call the wild, wild west, where we have unlimited lobbying gifts and unlimited campaign finance. Um, so this bill deals with part of it. I propose an amendment that would reinstate campaign finance limits in the state of Missouri. The reason is that we have seen uh, unlimited campaign money go into candidates and then those 
uh, same folks that are giving unlimited, one outfit gave a million dollars to one candidate, are pushing tax policy that are destructive to our state. Same group of people doing the same. I think that goes um, whether there is a direct correlation there or not, and we'll say there isn't. Let's just say there isn't. It sure does look funny, doesn't it? It doesn't pass the show-me-smell test. So I offered that uh, amendment, and it was ruled out of order by the majority. It was clearly within the Senate rules. It was clearly the topic. But I was told, oh, we don't want to deal with that issue. That was really a bad day in the Senate. And that's the type of, of thing that we need to continue. So moving forward on that issue, I had a hearing um, for my bill, and at a Senate bill, I don't remember the number, so much, Senate Bill 97, I actually did have a hearing on that bill. It is my hope that um, the majority will live up to their commitment that we don't want to deal with this in this bill, that we'll deal with it in another bill, and we'll move ahead on ethics reform. Um, that was one of the other things. The other thing that we worked on was um, the school transfer issue. If you remember, um, there is, a, there is a, a problem with the uh, current transfer of schools with an unaccredited district. In the St. Louis area, the Normandy School District became unaccredited. Current law says once you're an unaccredited district, those students can go to neighboring districts. Okay, they are able to go out. What happened is that the Normandy School District was abandoned, and the other receiving districts had all the flood of new students coming in, and they weren't able to uh, plan on those students. Um, and so it really made a financial hardship on all of those school districts. And if you remember last year, the Kansas City School District was in that – it was in the um, – almost unaccredited, but they moved up, luckily. But it was an issue that could very well happen to the Kansas School District that I represent, but also as a receiving district, Independence, Fort Osage, and the other areas I represent. That's why I introduced uh, a bill last year that would ask every school district to set a classroom size ratio, identify what they can take for transfers and what they cannot. That bill passed as part of an omnibus bill, and it was vetoed by the governor. Uh, we are going through this again. <laughs> I introduced Senate Bill 70 that was merged with Senate Bill 1, Senate Bill 22, Senate Bill 49, and we're back at it again to have a similar type bill to get to the governor. The good news is the governor is, um, has been very proactive this time, saying what he can and cannot live with. Last time, part of that bill was that there was public money going to private schools, and I think that, that opens up the, the, the wrong way to go. Um, but we're working on this again. The problem is we worked on this this, this week, and there's continually uh, amendments that will, I would say, reduce public education, stuff for charter schools without accountability, uh, something called a virtual school, which is online, which would uh, students could just leave their school and go to virtual school based on another criteria, and we'd lose that money coming in. So my fear is we're going to go down the same route, that we're going to have mm -hmm. these things, we're not going to solve our, our issue. Because I look over, Kirk, you, you would be concerned if there's an unaccredited district nearby and you couldn't plan 
on um, students coming into your school district, I would imagine, as a school board member. Oh, yeah. Right. So we got to plan it. We're, we're, we're not done with that bill yet. And, yeah, we're not done with that bill yet. It'll go to the House, but that's the, the focus of it. And, and I'm I, proud to say I've been part of that. That's what we've been doing most of the House. Uh, passed a voter ID legislation. Um, they also, just to tell you what that is, that it was saying that um, you have to have a government-issued uh, picture ID in order to vote. Uh, this is my 11th year in the General Assembly, and I'm, I think it's the ninth year that this idea has been tried. Um, the proponents of this idea claim that it will stop voter fraud, but there is not one example, not one example of that type of voter fraud in, in our state. And the Secretary of State tells us it would disenfranchise um, about 200,000 people who currently just go vote, either show a, a different form of ID as opposed to a government-issued picture ID. I'm very much against this because it disenfranchises disenfranchise people with their right to vote. Hopefully we... It, when it comes to Senate, we can stop that bill. Another thing the House passed was a right-to-work bill, and um, it's mis mistitled, um, but the measure would say that uh, companies do not have to live up with their agreements with their employees, and uh, even though they would have an agreement with a, a, a union or their employees to do a certain thing, people could opt out of that. I think it's destructive for our state, lowers wages, and um, I was uh, disappointed the House passed it, but encouraged that it, it passed with a slim majority. It's not veto-proof, and I know Governor Nixon would veto that, and we'll, hopefully we won't get that in the Senate. Um, just to go through some of the other bills that I've been working on, um, I mentioned the schools. I mentioned um, the issue for the fines for our city. Um, working on a uh, bill that would increase the A-plus program for dual credit. Um, kids that would allow kids that go to high school, take dual credit college courses to um, go be reimbursed by their A-plus if they meet the qualifications. That's an idea. Um, came to be by the independent school district, so it helps them, helps those kids if they want that associate degree before they can get that. Um, let's see here. Campaign finance limits, I mentioned that. Mm -hmm. mentioned that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'll I have a, a, a bill I'll be hearing next week that says if you're a business and you file electronically with the Secretary of State for your reports that you, we waive your fees. And um, that way we can get more people online and reduce costs that way. Um, I have a hearing on that. Okay, I'm trying to – this is my long list of bills. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Senate is very interesting because we do a lot of it on the floor as opposed to in committee. Um, I'll be introducing a uh, bill. Uh, I've, I've introduced a bill that will help alleviate the court system here in Independence. And Independence and Kansas City both have Jackson County courts. Um, the judges have said that one of those circuits should be moved to Independence. So I have a bill to help do that. So as we're a growing part of the area, uh, it makes sense to, to ha have that. That's exciting stuff, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But uh, it really does help, you know, if you have a court case and you live in eastern Jackson County, you have a little more access. Um, 
uh, one that uh, a bill that uh, will require health insurance companies to file their rates with the Department of Insurance. We're the only state in the country that doesn't do that. Um, and uh, yes, a, a bill that will um, help uh, men mentally mental health patients get their prescriptions easier. Am I saying that? I'm looking at my expert deck that came to me. Some of these ideas, I like my friend back there came to me with these ideas, and I'm glad to pursue those. The other thing I'm working on is Medicaid expansion. And that is my bill that um, two years ago when this idea came, when we were allowed to um, draw down federal money to help health care in our state, to cover 300,000 people, to pull in $2.2 billion of our tax money back from the federal government. I had that hearing. We had 30 people and organizations in support of that bill, one person against it. It was stopped for political reasons. And now we, have, we don't even have a hearing this time. Mm -hmm. That's how um, all yeah. things Obamacare has been right. there. And it's mm -hmm. really frustrating because you look at the tremendous issues that we have, as I mentioned, with tax policy and the way we're spending money, it would be nice if our $2.2 billion would come back to our state and uh, provide, not only provide people with health care but also um, help businesses and, and everything else. So um, I would be interested to know from my constituents, as we keep having a stall on that issue, is there – do you think it would be important – if your elected representatives were on record where they are on that thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to make sure that happens. <laughs> if that, if I can't get passed, yeah. I'm going to make sure everybody's on record on what they do. Good Otherwise, idea. Otherwise, the other side would never be presented. If you just acquiesce, they have so much power, there's no sense even trying something. Mm -hmm. Then that view is never presented. And that view needs to continually be lifted up until enough people are care enough about it to vote. Right. Well, well, I'll make sure I'll make sure that there's a recorded vote by the elected people in the mm -hmm. state senate that we we do that. I it's really discouraging. Um, it, so much so that the, um, the the governor hasn't even mentioned it lately. You know, I mean, he he was pushing it harder than anyone else, but it's really a, a tough, tough situation. I, I guess I have a couple more, but I want to make sure we answer your, your questions that you have. Again, the mayor explained to me that the tough questions come to me and the easy ones go to her. <laughs> so we'll open it up for any questions that you have. And there's my friend Don, who I feel like... Has a list. But I've known you, you, you were my, maybe my first town hall meeting. Back when I was a rep and I... Just have a couple. Yes. State workers in Missouri are already paid lower than state workers in Mississippi. Uh -huh. But now I see that Mississippi ranks number one in child vaccinations. Huh. And we, we rank close to last, like measles and stuff like that. So that exemption needs to be done right. away with. And right, we are, we are 50th in, in the country in the way we pay our state workers. I get constituents that call me who are f get frustrated with the way uh, state government works. We get what we pay for, right? And I don't know if anyone 
if we have do we have any prizes to give out or anything? Because I'm going to ask this question: Do you know why we're the lowest? Tax policy, bad tax policy. You you knew that, right? You knew I was going to say that, right? But bad tax policy. Speaking of tax policy, yes. What you got is on bridge and highway money distributed by the regions throughout the state on uh-huh. the state and federal level. The Ford County region, which includes Jackson County, receives $1,600 per capita okay. for individuals. The 24 counties in the southern southeast part of the state, with an actual population smaller than Jackson County, receives $2,319 per capita. That's the kind of stuff that's got to be reined in uh, so that we get our fair share because we're paying the t- payroll and income taxes. Mm-hmm. But the money's not staying here; it's going down there. Interesting. I I, ne- I didn't I wasn't aware of that statistic. And uh, or that posted. Note. Well, Jackson <laughs> County, for instance, pays more than nine hundred dollars per person in corporate and income Could tax compared to roughly one hundred and forty-five dollars per capita in Worth County alone. So, I'm glad you brought that up. That if, if nothing else, if we're not going to fund our parties, we should at least. Give them back to the constituents that pay. Well, and one more thing. Medicaid in Pensacola County received $3,000 per capita, more than double of Jackson County, also That's got right. twice as much in uh, per capita in food stamps. Mm-hmm. So that, tax, that whole tax policy issue has got to be addressed. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he mentioned a very rural county that gets more, more Medicaid and more in food stamps with, that a senator – from that area is certainly against Absolutely. more, and that's that's what's really frustrating. Could you give him that post-it note, please? <laughs> yes, he'll probably or email it to me, <laughs> Winston. I have a softball question for both of no, you. No, wait, are you going to sing? No, no. Oh, okay, no. all right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just to preface that, I think everybody in the room is old enough to remember to what happened to Walter Mondale when he mentioned we might need to raise taxes. And we've, we're all old enough, I think, to realize that for about 35 years now, we've been living with a quote that is very familiar that government is not the solution, government is the problem. I'm of the opinion that bad government is the problem and good government is the solution and is not only possible, but very desirable and very necessary. And so my softball question is, what can each of you do individually to change just the perception that people have of politics and to realize again that good government is possible, but that we need some money to make good Mm -hmm. things happen? Do you answer first? Go ahead. Um, It's something very interesting that comes to mind, and when I think about that question, I received several publications that are geared towards elected officials um, and go to, I was at the U.S. Mayor's Conference, and the higher up you go in government as elected official, the less trust there is. I mean, if you, from the local level to the state level to the federal level. So I think that it is incumbent upon the local officials to build that public trust as much as they can, because that's who you who really impacts your quality of life um, the most. I'm very pleased that um, in the state of Independence we run nonpartisan races for mayor and city council. I think that that is proper, and 
alle alleviates some of the partisan, you know, so many of the partisan issues that Senator has talked about where people are just drawing battle lines not based on what's right, but what's based on what their party stands for and what their, you know, what they think maybe their constituents want um, in, their, in their party. Um, talking about um, voter obstacles um, for voters, we should eliminate any obstacle for people to be able right. to vote. People aren't voting. Right. I, I, you know, they're voting at a miserable rate. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is because of the, some of the things the senators talked about, about fear of corruption, you know, ethical problems. People don't feel that their vote matters. Um, and they don't feel like they're, the people that they elect are really listening to them. So I think it starts, you know, certainly at the local level and then understanding what we need to understand as elected officials is to knock out all the silly bickering and, you know, and all, all those arguments and so the grandstanding and things that, that happen, not so much, you know, at our, at our level, but at the state and certainly as you go up to the federal level. When I was in Washington for the U.S. Mayor's Conference, we were at the White House and um, the president spoke with us, probably 125 mayors, and um, he really talked about working closely with mayors. Now, that may have been playing to the audience, but I think some of it was frustration from the president of banging his head against the wall with Congress and having these these partisan battles. And you know, the president's as guilty of it as anybody. I'm not exonerating the president from that, but... Yeah, right. right. I mean, but I mean, <laughs> there is those partisan politics do play a role, but he really is reaching down to the mayors and the local elected officials because he understands that's where the rubber really meets the road. If I could reinforce one of the first things you said with a very sincere compliment. Another cliche is that you can't fight City Hall. And I've been politically active at a whole other level. I've always been interested and involved in politics. But as some of you in the room know, the last 11 months have been at a whole different level. And I found why would you need to fight City Hall? You and the council members, all of whom I've gotten to know to some degree, are so open and personable and willing to listen. It's really, and I, I do believe you're exactly right, that maybe at the local level we start to rebuild that trust, and then maybe Senator Lavota I know, is a fine example of what a good politician can do at the state level. And if we, have, if we start to reinforce that and publicize the good things that you're both trying to do, maybe that's how we start to do that. Well, thank you. And... and I want to hit that softball because I, <laughs> I, I think I think it's I think it's really important that um, when it comes to voting, people aren't voting anymore. I'm convinced that one of the reasons is that we have unlimited campaign finance money that goes into there. Mm -hmm. It makes people say, "Well, I can't participate." And then what what we have found is there's unprecedented money going into campaigns unless people vote. Because they're spending that money on negative campaigns all over the TV and all over in your mail. And then people say, forget it. I'm not going to be part of this system. 
that's destructive. And I, I, that's why I think reforming our campaign finance limits is crucial to more people get involved. I also think this, this level of cooperation is important. The mayor and I have had this conversation because she goes and talks to other mayors. She gave me a compliment, if you don't mind me repeating sometime, but it's really more <laughs> of a compliment to you. Um, some of these mayors say, well, I never can get anybody in Jefferson City on the phone to talk to them. And she said, I can call, call my center every day if I needed to. And I think that shows the cooperation that she's committed to and these council people. And um, that's, that's the type of way I think we, we get us out of it. The other thing, if I may say this, this silly microphone in front of me where I'm recording it for a podcast, this videotape, um, bribing, bribing you guys to come talk to me with food is all in an attempt to reach out to really try to understand what's going on and really to communicate and educate folks. So I think that's – it's it's actually a lot more – this is a lot more fun than committee meetings in Jeff City, but um, – so – I'm not having a terrible time, but I mean, it's really important to, to that I try to do that, and I, I think uh, good politicians always reach out. I hope someday soon we have to have this in the auditorium. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll revive church. Let us use that. Okay. Good. What other questions? Thank you. And and just to you ran for office. That was very admirable, and you taught in this building. So thank you for everything you've done. Medicaid expansion is so important. I have so many people on Medicaid at my school, and they say, we don't want that Obamacare. And <laughs> I look at them and go, but you're on med- mm-hmm. uh, Knowledge is power. Right. I think grassroots people have to be the ones to tell uh, each other and the people that they come in contact with what is really happening to you. Mm-hmm. Don't let a sound bite make you believe something's good or bad. I don't agree with I'm uh I, I like some of the president's policies. I don't uh believe in everything. I try to do the thing that is right for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, we get in that gray area, but we have that you know, white or black area where we know That's right. Medicaid expansion. It does not make sense not to take two billion dollars on something that's happening anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm independent, Republican, Democrat. That is just not sensible. Mm-hmm. If someone in here offers me two billion dollars, I'll be taking that. I'm taking well, it. <laughs> I'm gonna spread it around to my neighbors and and, and the people of Independence. Well, but we I, need to have emails. Email you. It has to be us, too. You're fighting almost a lost cause. Everything you bring up, they're going to say, have those little sound bites, and you're shut down. We are the people to help. We well, are the ones well, to Well, you're help. here, and I, pre- I appreciate that. And, and you're right that, um, you know, when you talk about the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, um, you know, the first thing is, well, it's not perfect. Okay, it's not perfect. It's the law of the land. I like to tell my colleagues in the Senate, it's the law of the land. So let's do what we can to take advantage of it. Over 30 states have decided to figure out a way that works for them to have a health care system and use money not from the federal government, from us. Because let's see, and I would like to talk to anyone on April 15th if you don't have to file, okay? That's our money that should be coming back here, regardless of if you, where you were with the Affordable Care Act. We should leverage that and do the right thing by our state. And... Uh, I'm going to keep talking about it because Joe told me to. Chris is working tonight. Yeah.
Senator, I'm just interested, is there a, is, is on the agenda um, a, a crime lab for independence? Is that still on the agenda? I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the, the, uh, the issue with the crime lab, and here's, I'll, I'll take a step back. The Independence Police Department runs basically a regional crime lab. And uh, so uh, victims of crime um, and uh, law enforcement use that crime lab to figure out the evidence to put people behind uh, bars. And it's not only for independence. It's certainly for eastern Jackson County, really northwest Missouri. Um, the, the, they, the, that crime lab has had um, challenges in the idea of new technology and new experts. So I proposed an, an idea last year that asked the Missouri Highway Patrol to come in and put some headcount in there, seven people in there. And so they would work out of the Independence Crime Lab, but it would really be a state crime lab because that way you have that higher-level expertise, the state's taking care of it. We put $1.3 million into the budget out of a $26 billion budget. We asked for $1.3 million, okay? I know $1.3 million is a lot of money, but in the scheme of a $26 billion budget, it really isn't that big of a deal. Um, we had it placed in the House. I convinced my friends in the Senate that it should be in there. It was in there. It was vetoed by Governor Nixon. Then when the overrides came for the budget, there was about 35 uh, items that were overrid the governor on the budget, and that was one of them. Well, yay, we overrid the governor on this one. He withheld the money. Then in his budget, he did not request to have it in. So I'm going through not two things in Jefferson City, pressure to get it back into the budget for this year and to ask the governor to release that money. Somehow last week, um, actually it was a week and a half ago, there was a $21 million that showed up from a settlement that he released other things. If you listen to the appropriations people in the Senate and the House, they have a far different number than the executive on how much money should be in there. And to be even more uh, frank with you, I used to believe the governor's numbers. But now on, when it comes to budget, I don't know who to believe because all these things were withheld, then they were vetoed, and then they're continued to be withheld. Now, I've mentioned that we have a tremendous amount of issues when it comes to tax policy and the money that comes in. But $1.3 million to save uh, so much, uh, I mean, we would solve so many crimes, and we'd save money because if we don't have this crime lab, it goes to Jefferson City Crime Lab or Springfield anyway, and that backup continues. Um, myself and Senator Kraus have been trying our best to push the governor to release this money. We did a speech on the uh, Senate floor last week. If you want to go to my website, there's a little thing where, again, me and Senator Kraus have uh, really different philosophy on things, but right, what right is right, and we want the governor to do what's right. And uh, what has been um, very clear is that the mayor of Independence has, has been very vocal on this, has asked other mayors to help, and the only person who's against this it seems to be the governor of Missouri. I, I'm the one that said that, Mayor, if you want to comment on this. <laughs> um, I will comment on it. You can catch it. my I, frustration. I, it is very frustrating. The governor 
came to Eastern Jackson County and asked for the mayor's support, the Eastern Jackson County Betterment Council's support on his vetoes of some bills. We stepped up and we did that and we were successful. And we feel that um, we've pers persistently asked for this $1.3 million. And not only have we not gotten the money, we've gotten no response from, no the, response. Governor, from the governor. So that, that is frustrating as we're working um, so hard to build relationships. And um, so that is frustrating. I, I, something else to keep in mind, um, this isn't simply for the city of Independence. This really is for the region, but it does impact significantly the city of Independence. The crime lab, if you haven't had ever had an opportunity to go over a police station and look at the crime lab, it's, it's really pretty fascinating, and you should do that. And look at the jail while you're there, too. Um, <laughs> it's not too terrific. Um, but crime labs have to be accredited, you know, just like schools or whatever. Our crime, we can't afford to continue to certify our crime lab. The cost of continuing to certify our crime lab is just skyrocketing. And pretty soon, not only are we not going to have, the, you know, a regional crime lab, we're not going to have a crime lab at all because we're, we're just not going to be able to continue to fund it. Moreover, for evidence to be delivered to the crime lab, it has to be done by an officer of the court. So if we have evidence that needs to be processed, that's, you know, that there's some urgency to process it, we need to take one of our police officers to drive it down to Jefferson City, right. which leaves we're already shorthanded in our police force um, putting, you know, cops on the street and our um, command staff, you know, running our operations. So to have to take somebody out of service for a day to drive evidence down to a crime lab to be processed hurts the city of Independence. Not only what we always tend to focus on is um, getting criminals off the street, of course, right. putting people behind bars, but also um, Those victims are doing the victims, but also... Um, People who are, to your point, may be falsely, you know, accused of a crime and who are waiting for their day in mm -hmm. court and for justice to be served so that they can go back to their job, to their family, continue to be a productive member of society and not be waiting three, six, nine, eighteen months for um, their for this this evidence to be processed. Well, I, I appreciate you your leadership on it as you talk to the other mayors to get involved. Um, I, I may want to stop even referring to this as the independent yeah, crime lab because it, it as if it's some type of giveaway to our city. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's the regional crime it's lab. It's the regional crime lab. And the expertise lab. of the Missouri Highway Patrol right. is the right people to do it. Right. And um, $1.3 1. for headcount, not even a new facility or anything. A few years ago um, – Governor Blund at the time built a brand new facility in Springfield. We're not even asking for that. We're just asking for a simple thing. You can tell I'm frustrated, but I'm going to keep talking about that. Okay, they're telling me I'm. Wrap it up. That we're getting getting late. What other questions? Senate Bill 403. 403. Which one's that? The gas regulation. Gas regulation. Natural gas. How, how the utility can increase rates. I, I have to look that one up, okay. Don. I I'm not. As familiar with that. Uh, other thing I can tell you that I do have a bill 
that raises the minimum wage to ten dollars to help people with with uh, a living wage and I also have a bill I heard today that would allow an earned income tax credit that would allow those um, low-income folks actually get a tax credit like we do at the federal level too that stimulates the economy that's the type of tax policy that stimulates the economy I forgot to mention that what other anything else as we wrap up yes You know, that Noel Torpy resigned in December, yes. mm-hmm. and I've heard little to – I mean, I read the examiner because I subscribe, and it helps to keep up on that. But uh, what's the status on District 29, and is there – do we know if there's going to be yeah. another election? Has the governor the done what he needed to do to communicate with the election board? What's Well, the governor needs to – the governor needs to call the election, the official call of the election – and when there were several seats um, in the last General Assembly, he waited, 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 waited. And then finally there was an election for four of those. Um, what was interesting about him waiting there is that the numbers between Democrats and Republicans were, were that veto-proof um, numbers. Now there's 119 Republicans. Um, there doesn't seem to be governor doesn't want to call that election. Republicans don't seem to care because they already have the numbers. Democrats are in the minority, so they don't seem to care either. But what's happening is our area, my area, is not being represented. So (laughs) (laughs) it is my hope that the governor calls that special election. He missed the deadline for the April election, um, but hopefully we can have that election in August. That would be most productive. I, I agree with you. Right. Yes. I, I agree with you. And no, I, I completely I agree with you. And um, you know, Representative Torpy was he was very helpful with uh, understanding the the independence crime lab issue and some other things. He was the Republican who sponsored a Medicaid expansion. Um, he was usually wrong about things, but regardless. <laughs> It was nice to have a, 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 a cooperation there as, as I work with uh, Representative Anders, Representative Kidd. I mean, that type of delegation is important. Um, for whatever it's worth, if you guys have anything, you can call my office and we're, like we're, we're organizing some school trips that usually the House does, trying to make up for it. But it is very frustrating when we need some representation. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would. I think it would. Call that election and let's get somebody in there. Okay. One last question, Joe. And then it's getting late. And I really do appreciate everyone coming here and the weather and everything. Hope the chicken was good enough for you. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. Uh, this isn't, again, a question, uh, but I wanted to get it in before we leave. Uh, I appreciate very much the, uh, the idea that one of the things that we're doing is casting a vision for the future, even though the present looks dim. Mm-hmm. For example, I appreciated very much the Independent City Council 
talking about solar panels and solar energy, even though it might, you know, it might, uh, well, what I used it for, and I have contacts through the community of Christ, but all around the world, here's some of the things our community is talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And young people, when they hear us talking about things that, that maybe are not right yet on the horizon, but are moving in that direction, they become more interested in that. So I appreciate the council uh, not so much involved in the past, but raising those issues in the future that are sowing seeds for, uh, for a better future. That, that's a great example. And that compliments to you, Mayor, because Councilman Roberson came up with that yes. idea. You worked with them to make sure it worked with our utilities, it was reasonable yeah, and everything, and, and, and that, I think that was a good... Well, I think it's very important for our council to, in order for us to work together, people need to have be supported in pursuing things that are important to them. And this was a very important to Councilman Robertson, and um, we worked together to come up with something that the council could su support. Robertson, Robertson, right. yeah. <laughs> I, um, that it, that the council could um, unanimously support this resolution. Um, if you read the resolution, much of it is about investigating, exploring things. Not right. a lot of direction about that. We're going. We're definitely going to do this. We're definitely going to do that. But it sets some goals for us to uh, to strive for gives us an opportunity to study these things, see if they are feasible in our community, how they're going to impact our, our businesses, our homeowners, our residents, in terms of their cost of living in this city. And uh, certainly, you know, we're always looking to be efficient. We truly, I think that independence has a bit of a reputation of being a little old-fashioned and behind the times, which frankly, is not true when it comes to energy issues. We are have been one of the leaders in the state of Missouri and in the um, region on energy issues and particularly conservation. We are the first city of over 100,000 residents anywhere in the country to go to 100% street LED street lights. We put in stream setback regulations into our development code, the first um, city in the Kansas City region, to do that to protect our natural resources that we have here in Independence. As we talk about the Little Blue Valley, it's exciting to think about that as an economic driver, but it's also a beautiful mm -hmm. part of our city, and we want to protect that natural beauty as well. Well, I'll close the meeting with two things. Yes. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Another compliment. You got Chris Whiting to be your mayor pro temp. And you're teasing him, but he's the finest man I know, and it was smart to get him to help you out. Yes, so good yes, job with that. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Chris, did you have anything else to say? Just a great show tonight. Good job. Thanks. <laughs>